Thank you. Please be seated. Good morning again and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson and I'm the senior pastor here. I am so grateful to have you here with us on what is sort of the last Sunday of the summer. Um, so uh, we will, our, our children, some of our kids started last week with uh, some other school districts, but for those of you that have children right here in Kershaw County, they will start tomorrow. So do keep our teachers and our students in prayer, um, which brings me to the first thing that I need to mention to you this morning. Um, this evening, there is no regular worship service here. Instead, what we are asking you all to do is to be deployed out into our community, prayer walking our local schools. So um, uh, it, by, on the tables back here in the back and uh, on the table outside of this door as you leave, uh, we would encourage you to pick up one of these school prayer walk guides. And I want to explain what this looks like so that there's not any confusion. So pay close attention because um, last year there was some real confusion. This is on your own. This is, this is as unorganized of anything that we can do. And we want to do that on purpose. We want you to go to the schools, whether perhaps in your own backyard, those that are in your most immediate community, perhaps they're the schools where your children will be attending or your grandchildren will be attending. Um, per perhaps uh, they're just the school that you attended and you just would like to go spend time in prayer. There is no prescribed path or direction for you. We're not all meeting up anywhere to do this, all right? Our goal is to flood our community with prayer. There will be other churches in our county that are doing the same thing today. If you would like to meet up with one of our pastors, um, there will be, uh, Pastor Buster will be in Lugoff Elgin at 5.30, me and my family will be at Camden at 4.30, um, and, and Pastor Adam will be at North Central Middle School at 6. Uh, Pastor Kevin would be somewhere, but he and, and, and Deanna are actually um, leaving uh, for a, a conference. and won't be able to be there, so he's not just laying out of prayer on you. But uh, I would just encourage you to take this opportunity. Let me tell you, our teachers are blessed by the willingness of our church and of other churches in our community to go into pray. I had the opportunity of leading a prayer walk with two of our elementary schools uh, faculty this week, and uh, one of them actually came to me. She, she lives over in Sumter. She said, I'm so glad you did this. One thing our church does, and I wonder if y'all would be willing, we, we, we send our people out to prayer walk at the schools before school starts. I said, we're two steps ahead of you. We've already printed it. So uh, uh, just know that uh, teachers and faculty, administrators are, are grateful for this. So I would just encourage you to be out um, and uh, if you would like to meet up with, like, with my family, we'll be there at 4.30. You can't ride with us because we don't have any room in our vehicle. But you are welcome to come and join us there. And, and uh, um, if, if you're just kind of confused about what, what would take place, there's no reason to be confused. I don't want you to overthink this. Okay? God inhabits the praises of his people and he hears the prayers of his people. So go. There's a prayer guide on the back of this. So we've got all of the elementary school address or all of the school addresses listed here. Um, the public school addresses on the back side. If you just don't know what in the world to pray for, there's some instructions right there. Hey, we recognize that we don't have private schools listed and that we don't have home schools listed. That doesn't mean that our home schools and private schools shouldn't be prayed for. One of the things that our family has done often is to just come by on this day and uh, park our car in, in, in front of one of the, the homes of one of our homeschool families and take a moment right there to pray for those um, homeschoolers in our church or to pray for other private school uh, children. So um, just please take an opportunity to pray 
for God to be at work in our schools. We, we, we get involved in these crazy culture wars about trying to get prayer back in school as though anybody could keep God's people from praying for schools. So before you get wrapped up in some crazy Facebook or Twitter or Instagram war about who's going to pray where, how about make sure that you're just spending your time on your knees before the Lord and your time in front of these places and, and crying out to the Lord for Him to do a work. Um, I really believe that God answers the prayers of His people. All right, inside of your, um, your worship folder, you also see a list of new deacons. We will have deacon installation and uh, ordination coming up. And then next Sunday is Children's Sunday. So listen to me, this is important. We have baptism and we have Children's Sunday. So we can breathe when all the kids leave, but when the kids are in here, it's tight. Next Sunday is going to be very, very full. Very, very, very full. Because we have Children's Sunday and baptism. So if you are able and are willing... Um, we would ask you just to maybe maybe um, sit up in the balcony next week. If some of you have ever said, hey, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like to sit up there and get that view. This is your opportunity to get that view, uh, to get that view. Also, if, um, if you'd like to be baptized and, and uh, um, have questions about that, please fill out the form online for us. And then finally, we do have a Next Steps class next Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So if you've been visiting with us for one week or six weeks or six months and you're curious about what it would be like to be a member of Malvern Hill, I'll be leading that class. Uh, we meet in the conference room right over there outside of that door tomorrow or sun, next Sunday afternoon at six, 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock. Can we preach now? Would that be all right with everybody? All right. Yay. We should start clapping when I get to the preaching part. All right, stand with me in honor of God's Word. We're in Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. We're actually going to just spend three more weeks in Mark, and then I, I, I really feel led for us to step out of Mark for a while. We'll be in Mark for three more weeks. Um, and then on the back end of that, we're going to spend six weeks just looking at what are the parts and the pieces of a healthy church. We're going to spend four weeks in the book of Jonah, and then we'll be into Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're going to pick back up in Mark um, in, uh, uh, in January. But that's right, I just talked about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Go ahead and start your shopping. It's around the corner. Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 24. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And even the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the other ends of heaven, or from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that we would cling to your word. That, Father God, the enduring power of your word would be our enduring hope in good days and in bad. That we would trust you supremely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We have been spending the last several weeks wrestling through Jesus' warnings about the end times. Last Sunday I told you I, I preached the ultimate sermon to get fired as we wrestled through the end times and the doctrine of election all in one place and God is good. I'm still before you this Sunday so we are so grateful. This week we're looking again at, at God's 
uh, or Jesus' warnings about the end times. Um, but what I, what I want us to look at this morning is exactly what it is that Jesus tells us to cling to. Now, just by way of introduction, there, there's some things that are important right here. Jesus, again, says, I'm not exactly sure when all these things are going to take place. Be warned about anybody who can tell you when the, the return of Christ is going to happen. Be wary. But at the same time, Jesus says, though we might not know the time or the day or the hour, Jesus says there, there's a series of things that must take place before the end of time, before the return of Christ. And so we, we see these things that, that there will be tribu- after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heavens. Um, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in glory. Jesus says, look, there is going to be cosmic disruption. There is no hint in any part of the New Testament that the second coming of Jesus is going to be a secret. We talked about this last week. The whole world is going to know, and it's going to be terrifying. It's going to be mind-altering. It's going to be earth-shattering, literally earth-shattering. Right? Jesus gives them these warnings, and then he says in verse 28, From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Jesus says, look at the trees around you. Folks, in this particular situation, it could be a fig tree or an apple tree or a pear tree. It could be a, a persimmon tree if you would like it to be. It doesn't matter. Jesus says, look, when, when the, 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 the branches become tender and the leaves begin to come out, and in other words, when the sap begins to return into that tree and the vitality returns, Jesus says, we know that summer is near. Do you know that by looking at a tree, you can't tell exactly when it is that summer will arrive? You, you don't know for sure exactly when that first blossom will appear. You won't know when the first peach will pop out and certainly won't know when it will ripen. We might be able to give a general idea, but we just know that the time is near. Jesus says, when you see all of these things taking place, know that the time is near. Folks, I don't believe we've entered a time of tribulation yet, but I think we should all be very aware that the time is getting closer every single day. But there can be this temptation when we read all of these passages about the end times and Jesus' warnings, there can be this temptation for us to go, you ready? Pay pay attention to go, when that time comes, this is going to matter. We can read passages about the end times and go, well, in the future, we'll be worried about that. In the future, we'll apply that. Can I tell you that the Word of God is applicable to you in every stage of life? And we need not read passages about the end times and think that one day this is going to matter. Instead, what we have right here in this passage of Scripture is a reminder that regardless of what it is that you may be going through, That the word of God is our enduring hope for all time. Jesus says many things will pass away. As a matter of fact, he says everything will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This morning, I want us to cling to the hope that the word of God is enduring for all of time. So let me just ask you a few questions. What do you find joy In what do you trust? Where do you turn when life is very, very hard? You know, sometimes life is hard for reasons to which we can point. An old friend of mine, just this week, in his 40s, had to have emergency surgery because on Monday they discovered that he had a tennis ball-sized tumor in his brain. 
We can understand why he and, and his wife and his four kids and his church family might be having a really hard time today. They are certainly scared and confused, but God is still there. He, he is, his word is still holding them, and it is, it is in his word that they are rooted. But you know, sometimes our struggles aren't so easily pinpointed. Sometimes that, that darkness seems to settle over our lives and we can't really point it out. A guy named Jim Conway wrote a book called Men in Midlife Crisis. I haven't read it yet, though I think I probably should soon. In that book, he shows that a man's midlife crisis typically climaxes at the age of 41 and a half. Hold on, guys. Hold on. It's coming. He encountered a pastor once at 40 years old. He gave him this advice, this warning. He says, you've got a year and a half. Be careful. Don't get a motorcycle. Don't get a sailboat. Don't leave your ministry and don't leave your wife. What is a midlife crisis? It's hard to nail down. It, it isn't an only an issue for men, but for women as well. As your 30s wane, many folks look back over what they've accomplished and struggle with ideas of relevance. Further there, the physical changes as your body begins to slow and I I hear that your hair starts turning gray. Good laughs. We need to mic the, the, the congregation so that when we record these, you can hear those laughs. I'm not sure if that's possible. People make fun of me as I preach. Your kids are usually entering a different part of life. You've been married long enough for life to get mundane, and, and, and even for married life to get mundane, and, and perhaps even boring. And, and for many people... This is the busiest times of their lives. It's the busiest time for raising children. It's the busiest time of their work lives, marital stress, children's challenges, vocational aspirations, and the burdens of success or failure pile up and create perfect conditions for a meltdown. See, we focused the past few weeks on the necessary preparation for those end-of-time days, but I want you to know that the necessary preparation for tribulation is the necessary preparation for all the tribulation that we may face in this life. If we will prepare ourselves for the great tribulation, then, folks, we are much better prepared to deal with the other tribulations that life may throw at us. In the passage we are considering this morning, there is a warning from Jesus about difficult days that lie ahead. But I want to make sure that we don't read these passages and just put them off. Life can feel hard and scary. And it can feel hard and scary sometimes even when we don't understand why it feels hard and scary. Anything that is beneficial for the greatest of all bad days is beneficial for any dark day that you face. And Jesus says that the time is coming when all that you leaned on for support and strength will fade away. Listen to me. All that this world has to offer for strength and support in your life is a facade. It will fade away. All heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will endure forever. And so this morning, as we wrestle through this passage about the end times, I don't want us to neglect to remember that in the end of all time, the Word of God will endure. But I want you to keep in mind that it's not just at the end of all time that the Word of God is powerful and necessary in your life. It is today. And it is for the hard things that may come tomorrow. And it's the hard things that may come next week. Because the Word of God endures forever. First thing this morning I want us to run to is this, this, trust in the Word of God to save. 
Jesus says that the word of God will not pass away. Trust in the word of God to save because the word of God will endure forever. Do you know that the word of God is powerful to save? The word of God is powerful to save. Just consider Paul's words in Romans chapter 10. You can turn there with me if you'd like. If you don't, I'm going to read it to you. But in Romans chapter 10, we often quote verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But we should continue to read that passage. For the the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between, between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel, says the Lord. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he is, you ready? Heard from us. We quote Romans 10, 9, and we are right to do so, that if we confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. But the salvation is possible only for those who call upon the name of the Lord. And they can only know about the name of the Lord if they have been given the word of God. The word of God, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Gospel is a word that simply means good news. News that has arrived. But as somebody once said, it's only good news if it arrives in time. We need to trust in the word of God to save. But part of trusting in the word of God to save means that we've got to be giving the word of God away so that it can do its work in the hearts and the lives of non-believers in this world. Do you want to see others saved? Do you want to be effective in evangelism? The Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There will come a point in time when all else will pass away, but the Word of God will endure forever. Do you have lost friends and relatives? Pray for them and get them the Word of God. Give away Bibles and devotional tracts. Give away devotional books. One of the things that Angel and I love to give children as, as Christmas presents and even at baby showers and things, we love to give away children's Bibles. And I love to give them to them because we want to give the Word of God to those small children. You ready for this, though? We also want to give the Word of God to the parents who are going to read to those small children. We give them good children's Bibles that clearly teach the Word of God, and it's incredible to watch how it is that God uses those Bibles not only to work in the lives of the children, but to work in the lives of the parents. If parents commit themselves to begin reading those Bibles to their children. You've heard me quote before, and I'll say to you again, I still love that, that big white God's big picture story Bible that we, we get, we've given away at times here in the past. In the very first page, it says, in the beginning, God created the world. And he, he goes on to say, with with powerful words. Boy, it's it's beautiful to consider the power of God's word as he spoke and worlds jumped into being. We trust in the power of God to save the children. We even trust in the power of God to save the parents as they communicate that word. What are you doing to get the word of God in the hands of people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Some of you like to carry around tracks in your pocket, and that's a wonderful way to do that as you give those away to somebody. Maybe you don't have an opportunity to, to, to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe you can just put it in their hands. Some of you carry around some Gospels of John, which is another wonderful thing, is you can just take that and put it in somebody's hand. Say, listen, listen, I prayed for you today. Could I just give this to you? Would you take a moment to read that? Would you take a moment to just, to just read it and digest what it says? And if you have any questions, I'd love to talk with you about it. Get them the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful. You all know that I love Charles Spurgeon. In 1857, a couple of days before he was to preach at a place called the Crystal Palace, Spurgeon was, um, went to decide where the platform should be fixed to, to basically do a sound check. Now, you've got to keep in mind that a sound check in that day and time didn't include a microphone. So as they organ, or, orchestra, or organized the, the facility, walk around the facility, and he'd take just a moment, and he would speak in a loud voice. And in one place he stopped and he proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I'm not yelling at you, I'm saying it loud because he had to say it loud because he didn't have a microphone, you understand. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In one of the galleries, a workman who was unaware of what was going on heard the words and they came like a message from heaven to his soul. According to Spurgeon, he was smitten with conviction on account of his sin, put down his tools, went home, and there, after a season of spiritual struggling, found peace and life by beholding the Lamb of God. The Word of God is powerful. It is powerful to save, and folks, it can work in spite of us. I'm so thankful for that. I stand up in front of you every Sunday morning, and I pray, Lord God, work through this Word in spite of this man, this preaching, this message. And it's such a blessing because oftentimes he does. Oftentimes he can take this, whatever this is, and all that runs around inside this brain of mine, and he can sanctify it and so change it so that when these things come out of my mouth, when the word of God is spoken, he fulfills his promise for his word to never, ever return void. What an incredible blessing. Folks, trust in the word of God to save because the word of God will endure forever. The word of God will endure forever. In Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says that, that the, the angel presented himself to Joseph. Uh, it's Matthew 1, I believe. It, the angel came to Joseph, and Joseph's considering putting away his wife or his, his betrothed wife quietly. He doesn't want to create a stir, so he's going to put her away. But the angel appears to Joseph in a dream. And do you remember what the angel says? Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. The child that she has is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to a son. What does he say? You shall name him Jesus. Why? Because, you ready? He will save his people from their sin. If we take Matthew 1 and we run to John chapter 1 and we read, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. We understand that it is the powerful Word of God, Jesus Christ himself, who brings about the salvation of his people and it is a promise in God's Word that you can cling to. The salvation of sinners is not a thought that might happen. It is a promise in God's Word of what will happen. Proclaim the Word. Give away the Word. Carry the Word with you because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides souls in such a way that it brings about conviction and the salvation of sinners for all of eternity trust in the word to save because the word will endure forever second trust in the word to keep you because the word of God will endure forever let's consider a few verses a lot of verses this morning 
Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. None! How safe are you? <laughs> Pretty safe. John 10, 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. There may come a time when life seems to be more than you can bear, but you ready? God will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, we quote that verse a lot. But where does that verse come from? That is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And, and the full verse is this. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So this is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. Okay? And, 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 and as Moses speaks to the children of Israel, he's fixing to die. And as he's knocking there on death's door, Joshua is fixing to take over his position as, as the leader of the Hebrew children, of all the Israelites. And Joshua is going to lead them across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. We looked at this, I believe it was last Sunday night. Joshua is going to lead them across, and they are going to finally take possession of the land that God promised them some 40 years prior. The promise is going to be finally fulfilled. Well, if the promise is going to be fulfilled, why does Moses need to look at the people and say, he's not going to leave you nor forsake you? It would seem pretty obvious, right? We're going to finally get what we've, we, we wanted all this time. Well, the background here is that Moses knew that it was going to be hard Scary, and at times might make them to believe that they were on their own. They were going to suffer success and defeat. That there was going to be hardship. That the taking of the promised land was going to happen as God had promised. God's promises would be fulfilled. But Moses knew that they weren't going to just walk in and the people were just going to hand it all over to them. Moses knew that there would come a day... When the children of Israel may look around and say, where is our God? Why would Moses know that? For goodness sakes, Moses of all people should know that, right? Do y'all remember when Moses went up on top of the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord? It's, 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 it's one of my favorite stories, even though it's heart-wrenching, but it just so reveals human nature, all right? So Moses goes up. He's been gone for a little while, okay? He's... he's He's like my kids when I go to like the grocery store. They call like 87 times. Are you, are you home yet? Where are you? It's like I, I've literally been gone six minutes, you know? Um, or, or yesterday we had to drive out of, uh, we're driving the upstate for a funeral. And I just love, I love, where are we? <laughs> we're in Lugoff, son. We, we've literally been on the road for six minutes. But what city are we in? We, we, we're still in Camden. Why are you asking me this question? Moses goes, it's true, I'm not even lying. I mean, this is not an exaggeration. Um, that's true. Moses goes up the mountain, and, and look, he's been gone a while. Now, we read 40 days, and we go, oh, that's forever. Keep in mind, the world is far different then than it is. It's still a long time, and the Bible wants us to understand that it's more than a month, okay? But we do need to take into account things like travel in the ancient world. You know, we, we don't fully appreciate it. 
We, we can jump on a plane and, and, and fly to Paris if we were so inclined, or London, or wherever we want to be. And if I get on that plane right now, I'll be there in seven or eight hours if I can find a, a, a nonstop flight. During the Revolutionary War, how long did it take? Three months if you didn't encounter any problems. It would take two to three months to sail across the Atlantic Sea. The Atlantic Ocean, rather. If you encountered problems, it might take six before you finally arrived at your destination. Forty days seems like forever to a microwave generation, but 40 days wasn't quite as long, but it was still a long time. Moses goes up on the mountain. He's been gone for a while. Now, remember, the Bible says they're looking up there, and it's thundering and lightning. Things are going crazy on top of that mountain. Earthquakes. But the people wait as long as they're going to wait. And they go to Aaron. They say, Aaron, we can't wait any longer. Give us some gods to worship because this, this Moses, this God, I don't know about all this. And the Bible says that Aaron collected all the gold things and he fashioned for them a golden calf. Now, I'm not a, an expert in, in craftsmanship. I've never worked with gold. But my, my guess is that it took a while for them to actually get to a place where there's a golden calf that has been that has been crafted. You, you understand if Moses was gone for, let's just, let's just say that maybe the Bible was giving us an, an estimate. Let's say it was more than 40 days. Let's say it's 50 days, just for fun. Okay, I'm not calling into question God's word. I'm just saying let's just, be, let's just be real liberal for once in our own life. Okay, And we'll say that Moses was actually gone longer. Let's just do that for fun. How long did it take for them to fashion this calf? Right? I, I'm, I'm assuming that if a guy gave it all he had, at best case scenario, maybe 10 days. I mean, this is not an easy task. They've got to go through the process of collecting all the gold items. So Moses has been gone like 20, 30 days. Maybe, maybe he's just been gone a week, and they go, we can't wait any longer. Aaron says, I, give me your stuff, and I, I'll take care of this. We, we'll, we'll get you a God so you'll have somebody to worship so that you don't feel left out by all the other people around you. And the best part of it, is Moses comes back down, and he looks around. Now, he's, at this point, he's brokenhearted, he's angry. He's, he's already gone, Lord, don't kill them. God, if you blot them out, what's everybody else going to say? Lord, for the sake of your glory, you've got to relent of your anger. Down the mountain he goes, he breaks the tablets. But this is Aaron. What have you done? I, I don't know. We threw this gold in the fire and out popped these little calves. That's what he says. That's literally what he says. They, we threw it in there, boom, these things just came out. Moses understands how quickly the people can turn from the Lord. For goodness sakes, when they did it, they wouldn't even own up to it. His own brother doesn't even say, you know what, Moses, I gave in. I was tired of waiting too. And so I just went back to what I knew. You see, that's, that's the danger that's the danger. The danger is that we come to Christ, we experience Christ, but when life gets hard, we run back to what is comfortable. When life gets difficult, we don't fall on Jesus and trust in His Word. We run back to what we know. And that's what happened on Mount Sinai. The people had known idol worship for their entire life. They had known pagan worship for everything of, or every inch and ounce of their being. And so when Moses wasn't in front of them, and when the cloud was not there, and the pillar of fire was not there, and the mountain was shaking, and the people were scared and confused, and they weren't 100% sure 
This is maybe the first time that they're just not sure that they've made the right decision. And rather than throwing themselves upon the Word of God and trusting in Him, the Bible says... The Bible says that what the people did was to say, we need to go back to what's comfortable. Folks, listen to me. There are going to come days when life is not comfortable. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for reasons that I don't know yet. I don't know what waits around the corner for you. I know that we attended a funeral yesterday for a 78-year-old man who was diagnosed with cancer one month ago and is in the grave today. I don't know what the future holds for you, but here is what I know. And it is what Moses knew as he was walking away from them to die. Moses knew that they were going to have hard days, but in those hard days, Moses also knew this. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. And with that promise, with that trust in God's word, Moses was saying to them what I'm saying to you today. Trust in the word of God to keep you. Trust in the word to hold on to you. Practically, what does that look like? Occasionally, I have difficult days, difficult weeks. They don't come that often for me, but they do happen occasionally. And when that happens, I have a couple of people that get a phone call from me immediately. Those people always ask me the same three questions Are you praying? Okay, what is your quiet time? Are you in the Word and are you journaling? Because they know that for me, that is important. For my spiritual journey, I journal. Are you praying? Are you journaling? And the third thing is, are you exercising? Right? Are you, in other words, are you getting away from everything else and just getting some fresh air at some point? Those are the three questions. Why? Because even when life is hard, they want to make sure that even when I don't feel Jesus' presence, that I'm still running to his word. That's the number one question. Are you still reading God's word? There's been a lot of news lately about Christian apostasy, and I came across an article just last week from D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson um, said that, that he has three questions that he asks for anybody who's on the brink of losing their faith. And one of the first questions he asks... Are you reading your Bible? Are you reading your Bible? The other two is what else are you reading and who are you sleeping with? He said this, he said, not everybody who is considering walking away from their faith is having an affair or is involved in a sexual, an inappropriate sexual relationship. He said, but I find that most of them are, and even the ones who aren't are so off-put by that question that they finally acknowledge that they're hiding something that's drawing them away from the Word of God. The number one question, are you reading your Bible? No, I'm sorry, I'm, I misspoke. He asked it this way, when did you stop reading your Bible? That's what he says. When did you stop reading your Bible? Trust in the Word to keep you. You say, Craig, it's hard. I don't feel like reading the Word. Can I tell you that those are the days you need it the most? Those are the days that you need it the most. I came in, and I'll just be honest with you. Last Sunday was a difficult day for me. I don't know why. Uh, last Saturday wasn't an easy day. I, I, I don't know why. I, I, um, I, I, didn't, I hadn't rested in several days. Um, and last Sunday, I, on the way in, I made a phone call to um, 
uh, one of those guys that always gets that call. And I said, look, I'm, it's a difficult day. Uh, I really appreciate it if you'd pray for me. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's, it's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Um, you know, I, I, and, and the big thing that bothered me, I said, I woke up without an appetite this morning. Listen here, Craig Thompson does not never not have an appetite. That is abnormal for me. Right? I, I didn't really feel like preaching. I had a hard sermon to preach. So I didn't really feel like preaching. Didn't really feel like being with the people of God. And yet God, you know, when you're the pastor, you don't have much choice, which is a good thing. But you know what God was so faithful to do? God was so faithful that as I sang his praises and preached his word, God delivered me from that spiritual darkness because the word of God is powerful to keep us even when we don't feel like it. You can trust it. You can lean on it and into it. It will carry you through the hard days. Third, this morning, trust in the word to get you home. Well, I love this one. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Listen. The days may come when the sun doesn't seem to shine and there may come moments when the heaviness of life seems to almost drown out the joy of your salvation. Days when getting out of bed seems to be the greatest struggle and you wonder whether or not God hears your prayers. In those days, listen, in those days, you may believe it impossible that you are a child of God. The devil may whisper to you, God could never welcome you. God could never welcome one like you into his kingdom. Any of you ever heard those whispers in the dark? How do you know if they come from the Lord or if they come from the devil? I want you to remember that God convicts you of sin. Satan condemns you, and those aren't the same things. God says, come to me all who are heavy laden. Satan says, you cannot get to him. And I'm here to tell you that the word of God promises that Jesus Christ gave his life as a ransom for all. And what he began in you, he will bring to completion. There is no sin that is so great that the blood of Jesus cannot wipe it away. And so I want you to trust in the Word of God to get you home because the Word of God will endure forever. The devil may whisper that God couldn't welcome you. Trust in the Word. Reject the lies of Satan. Reject the lies of your feeling. Trust in the Word. Your feelings are fickle. And Satan's lies will one day burn with him in the lake of fire. But the Word of God will endure forever. But I don't feel like it. Oh. I don't know if y'all can see my body language. This coat kind of hides some of my angry tremors when I have to say, I don't feel like it. Folks, the culture of feelings in our world today is antithetical to the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just because you feel like God can't love you doesn't matter a hill of beans because the word of God says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. As a matter of fact, the thought that you could even love somebody else according to 1 John is that you can love because he first loved you. I don't feel lovable. I'm here to tell you that that is a lie that comes from the pit of hell. But the truth of God's word is that God has set his love on you even though you aren't lovable. What an incredible privilege. You can trust in the word to get you home. How's it going to get you there? I'm going to tell you something. Now some of y'all don't like this. And that's okay. 
You can argue with me later, but please not at the back door today because I'm going to be a little tired after this sermon and other people want to talk to me. Send me an email, and in that email say, I would like to argue with you, and then we can have coffee. And everybody will be happy about this disagreement. You ready for this, though? God may very well take you to heaven against your will. You believe? I believe I'm, I'm not kidding. There may be an opportunity when if he saved you, you're saved for all time. And there may come a point in time when you're just not 100% sure about everything that you want. I'm here to tell you that he might drag you by the back, by the, by the nap of your neck, kicking and screaming, but he's going to get you there. There's this beautiful picture of salvation. Now, now, now l- let me just say, I don't think he does it against your, your total will, okay? But against our feelings sometimes. So, there was, a, there was a, an, an image out of Major League Baseball several years ago. Bat boy runs out on the field to grab a bat. But he runs out on the field to grab a bat at just the time that a guy crosses home plate. And there's a play at the plate. There's a play at the plate. And I believe it, it may have actually been Barry Bonds that was coming down the line. I don't know if you remember Barry Bonds during the steroid era, but he was a terrifying human being. And there is a 70-pound kid headed for home plate. Guy crosses home plate, he stops, he reaches back, and he grabs the kid by his jersey, and he jerks him out of the way. Do you know that that child's parents never sued for child abuse? Because that child's life was saved. His safety was preserved. Folks, I'm going to tell you something awesome about the Word of God. Sometimes it's going to beat you into submission. Sometimes you're going to go to the Word and say, I don't feel lovable. I don't feel like being loved. I don't even feel like a Christian. I don't feel like I could do anything. And the Word of God is going to say it doesn't matter how you feel. God loves you anyway. Any of you heard kids, we haven't had this yet. We'll probably get it at some point. Some of you did this to your parents as children. You don't even love me. And yet parents look at him and say, I could never stop. Nothing gets in the way. Folks, you can trust in the word of God to get you home. When Jonah found himself in the belly of a great fish as a result of his own sin, the Bible teaches us that in Jonah chapter 2, he cried out to the Lord. But there's this incredible thing about Jonah's prayer is that it is filled with references back to the Psalms. And in his darkest day, Jonah prayed this. He said, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. You ready? Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. Even in the darkest of days, Jonah clung to the hope of God's word. He knew that even in the depths of his despair at the end of his sin and rebellion, God was good to his word. Folks, you can trust in the Word of God to get you home. Psalm 119.89 says this, Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It is, you ready for this? It is a guiding star to get you home. Now that's my part. The Psalm says this, remember, Forever, O Lord, your Word is firmly fixed in the heavens. It doesn't move. It is a fixed point on the horizon around which you can orient the rest of your life. Forever, O Lord, your word is fixed. It doesn't matter what the world may throw out. It doesn't matter if you're upside down, sideways, or backwards. The word of God is still bringing you home. 2,000 years ago, wise men from the east saw a star rising and set off on a great journey. 
to find the one who had been born king of the Jews. And I'm here to tell you today that the word of God continues to be a star that draws us into Christ. Trust in the word to get you home because the word of God will endure forever. Where's this leave us? 1297 Old Converse Road is the address of my parents' house. It's not my home anymore, but it is a place of refuge. In times of hurt and pain, in times of death and stress, it's been a gathering place for my family. And everyone knows that if you can just get there, just get into the driveway, help won't be far behind. But my brother told me yesterday that my parents are starting construction on some additions and renovations on their home this week. That means that the next time I pull into their driveway... That place that's been a place of refuge is going to look different. One day, like everything else in life, that home won't belong to my parents. One day it won't be a place of refuge and solace for the Thompson clan. Even that thing that has been constant through my life will one day pass away. You see, for my eternal hope, I can't even trust in my parents or their home to be safe and secure. I can't trust in their support to carry me through my dark days because one day they won't be here. And folks, one day none of this will be here. Heaven and earth will pass away. But the Word of God will endure forever. Just like my parents' home, one of the one of the great joys for me is to know that Malvern Hill Baptist Church is a place of refuge and solace for people when they get here. It thrills my soul for people to tell me that this became a place of healing. I love it when I see some of our teenagers and young adults kind of hobble home from exams in college and sort of find their home here. I love it when I see them come through the doors. I love it when I see them come to the doors of my own house. In a, in a weird kind of way, I even love it when I get a call that says, Craig, I'm, I'm having a hard time. Can you pray for me? I'm happy to know that our church is a place of hope and comfort. I was, I'm happy when I'm in the hospital and I'm checking on somebody and I, I bump into one of our folks on my way out because Malvern Hill showed up. But folks, listen to me. This church will one day pass away. That cemetery will hold our bodies. This building will one, not, one day no longer exist. And in that moment, our hope will cling to nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. We dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And folks, it's only through the Word of God that we have access to the Son of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will endure forever. This morning, I don't know what you're going through, but if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that you can trust in the Word of God to save you. But today can be the day that you turn from your sin, turn from your shame, turn from your pain, and experience the life saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who would believe. 
If that's you here today, would you come today when we have our invitation just a moment? Would you come and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Would you come today so that we can show you in the Word that though you are a sinner separated from God, there is hope in Jesus? Perhaps you're here today and you just, you just feel like you're wandering in the wind. Can I, can I tell you that the Word of God will keep you? You can trust it. It will hold you fast. Or perhaps you're here today and you just wonder if the Word of God can hold on to you long enough to get you home. Can I tell you that it will do even more than that? That the Word of God will endure for you through all of eternity. Heaven and earth shall pass away. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. Perhaps you just need to have that confirmation this morning you'd like to come and pray up here this morning and just pray for the Lord to give you confirmation perhaps you need to pray and say Lord God forgive me Lord God deliver me from my feelings and help me to trust your word are you trusting in the word of God or other things all the other things will melt away but the word of God will endure forever as we sing in just a moment oh come to the altar perhaps you'd like to come and pray perhaps you would like to just sing right there at your seat and lift your hands to heaven and celebrate the God who saves you, who keeps you, and who will one day finish what he started by taking you home. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would work through us and in us. That God, as we sing, it would not just be an act of habit, but Lord God, it would be an offering of praise that your Holy Spirit would be at work among us even as we sing in Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed.